What's going on, ATL peeps? Welcome to episode 51, 51 of Around the League. Man, I can't believe the NBA regular season has come to an end. And in this episode, Twan and I break down the first round of the playoffs, which is crazy to think about, but definitely super excited for the matchups that are ahead of us. Some of these matchups are star-studded, like Boston and Brooklyn. Um, so yeah, we had fun doing this podcast, breaking down the first round of the playoffs. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and you'll be hearing from us a lot more now that the playoffs are underway, and we're just going to continue to stay on top of these matchups, provide updates, provide our take, and as always, thank you for listening. Take care. Welcome to episode 51 of Around the League Playoff preview edition man Twan I can't believe that we're done the regular season the play-in tournament has started Brooklyn and Minnesota have claimed the seven seeds in their conferences the all-NBA ballots have been submitted and the dumpster fire Lakers have already fired their more than competent head coach that had nothing to do with any of the off-season moves that created this dumpster fire mess in the first place there's so much to unpack in today's episode Twan and I are going to chime in on matchups for the first round of the playoffs. But before we get into the weeds, let's check in with our boy. Twan, how you doing, my man? Doing good. Doing good. Out here living in L.A., was able to watch that dumpster fire explode and implode. So, you know, got that, got to witness, witness that firsthand. But, hey, man, everything's been good. Everything here has been great with the food, the weather. So, again, no complaints. Um, how's everything going with you, bro? Good. Yeah, no complaints. Um, got a pretty action-packed week ahead of us. We got JT's birthday coming up, which ultimately means we got game one, round one, Raptor playoff basketball, which uh, historically has not worked out in our favor um, and has sort of resulted in countless nights that I can't remember. But uh, looking forward to looking forward to that. Uh, other than that, just gonna watch basketball probably all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Hey man, playoffs are, playoffs are here and that's what we're here for. And this is probably going to be the probably most exciting first round in a really long time. I can't remember a first round that had this many good matchups with so many teams kind of right, right on par with each other. So, Hey man, it's going to be a pretty long two weeks of three, four games every night for, for a while. So honestly, I'm, I'm all for it, but, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be time-consuming, but I think it's going to be a really nice two, three weeks of uh, first-round matchups here. No, you're totally right. Like, to think that Boston and Brooklyn are going to be matched up, Tatum, Jalen Brown, KD, Kyrie, and one of these teams are going to go home. It's crazy to think about because there's just so much firepower on each, either side of these matchups. And we'll definitely get into the weeds with these specific matchups. Um, but let's talk about the playing tournament. Started yesterday. We had uh, Cleveland and Brooklyn playing for the seventh seed in the East. We had Minnesota and the Clippers, your LA Clippers, uh, playing for seventh seed in the West. First of all, do you like the playing format? It's been what two years now. What are your thoughts? I like it a lot. I think um, just even from like the previous seasons when it was was it Minnesota and who was the other team? Uh, and that was like a great game. I think that was like the first playing game that they ever had. And then yesterday's uh, Cavs and Nets game went down to the wire, even though, you know, the Nets had a bigger lead going to the fourth there. And then the Clippers and Timberwolves game, which 
I'm sure we'll get into later, but you know, with, with that game at the target center and Pat Bev and that, that young team celebrating that W like it was a championship was, was kind of funny, but honestly, I love the passion. I, lo- I love kind of the, that, that underdog mentality that team, that team had against, especially against a Clippers team that had, you know, recent playoff success the last few years and probably disappointing that they lost, but you know, they get one more chance at it. But um, yeah, man, I, those two games, again, kind of make up for why you want to have that play-in game, kind of have teams want to tank less and compete for that, you know, 10th, 9th, 8th spot, where they still have a chance to, you know, get some playoff experience for some of their young guys and kind of lead that, you know, franchise into the right path. So I really like it. Um, well, what are your thoughts on just from the few seasons that we've had so far with the play-in since the bubble? Um, just what your thoughts on that, the whole experience so far? Yeah, I love it. I think it's genius. I think it's entertaining. And I think it's also like a circumstantial lifeline for some teams too. Like if you think of New Orleans, for example, you know, they were one of the worst teams in the NBA up until the trade deadline. And then they get CJ McCollum and they sort of round out their roster. Now they they're able to compete for the last playoff spot in the West. Like, I think that's huge. Or, you know, it's funny, you know, LeBron used to, used to chirp the play in tournament, but you know, the Lakers could have really used it had they figured things out, you know? So I think it also extends a lifetime, a lifeline for some teams that just might have like injuries or other circumstances, especially with COVID and all that shit where, you know, regular seasons can get derailed for whatever reason. Um, So the fact that, you know, it provides that lifeline for teams, I think is pretty cool. Um, Then I just wanted to ask you who you thought was going to come out as the eighth seed after these matchups. From the East, I know it's what what time is right now? It's 4.50 Pacific time. So Atlanta is currently playing Charlotte. Yeah, Atlanta's playing them. Yeah, it's 34-25. I thought... I, I still think Atlanta's coming out of the of the East on for the eight seed there. I think if they do end up winning today's game against Charlotte, I think um, it might be a tougher matchup if Jared Allen comes back for that game on Friday. But I think still Atlanta with their run last year, having definitely the best player on on either side with Trey there. Um, I think Atlanta comes out um, as the eight seed and takes on the Miami Heat. And then from the West side, I think it's still the Clippers. Again, they just have that experience. They have Paul George. Um, I, I don't think um, the Spurs or Pelicans can match up with that team, especially um, with Norm there, with Covington, with uh, Reggie Jackson. But again, New Orleans are playing really well. McCollum can get hot these next two games. Or DeJounte Murray can, you know, he's an all-star, so he can definitely make an impact um, and see what they can do in the next game or two. So... I have the Clippers coming out as the eight seed uh, facing against the uh, the Suns, but it's still up in the air. So we'll see. What about you? Yeah, I think the Hawks are going to come out of the East. And I'm just really hoping the Pelicans come out of the uh, the West. I think Griffin's done a really good job with that team. You got McCollum. You got, and I want to see Jonas Valanciunas back in the, back in the playoffs. But, you know, you got McCollum, you got Ingram. Um, they got a pretty, they got a pretty deep team, to be honest. And like, I mean, obviously we'd love to see Zion Williamson be playing right now, but you know, if, and when he comes back, they got a pretty solid roster to surround him with. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing that team there, especially with the luck that they've had. I know they, I think they started the season like three and 16 or something like that. Something horrendous 
I th- and I think Willie, Willie Green's is their head coach, right? So he's been put in a tough spot with Zion out all year. Um, JV, again, we, we've seen him play really well in the playoffs. So um, we'll, I, I want to see him back in there and see if he can, you know, make an impact uh, on both ends as he has become a better, like, better defender. But we know he can put up stats. We know JV can, you know, go for those big numbers. But um, with that team, they're young. Um, they still got, you know, Brandon Ingram. They still got uh, Herb Jones, who I really like a lot as a rookie. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how they do. And uh, they got tonight to prove it for one game and see if they can play the Clippers uh, on Friday as well. No doubt. Well, let's go back to the East. Let's break down the matchup between Brooklyn and Boston. We've got the seven seed Brooklyn Nets versus the second seed Boston Celtics. Last night, Brooklyn secured the seventh spot, beating the Cleveland Cavaliers at home. Kyrie finished with 34 and 12. Katie finished with 25 and 11. Uh, they now play Boston, who intentionally pumped the Grizzlies, who practically sat everyone uh, so that they could get that second seed. So now we have this amazing matchup. Uh, the season series between the two teams is three to one. Brooklyn never had K- Katie or Kyrie. And to me, this is probably the strangest first round series because most people would argue that Brooklyn has the best players in this series. Boston has the f- Boston is first in defensive net rating in the NBA. And on the other hand, Brooklyn with Katie and Kyrie on the same floor, it, they score 123 points per 100 possessions, which is out of control. So this is a, star, a star-studded series for sure. And Tuan, you had mentioned that you thought it was going to be a bloodbath. So why do you think this series is going to be so interesting? Well, to start off, I think this series could have been an Eastern Conference final series if, of course, if the Nets stayed healthy, um, Katie uh, missed a you know, big portion of the season, I believe like 25, 30 games. Um, obviously, Kyrie with his COVID situation, so they're a better team than their record indicates, obviously. But yeah, this man, this this is such a sick matchup. This is my this is my favorite matchup in in the first round for sure. Um, probably just a little above the Raptors and 76ers matchup. But like you said, the the Nets haven't really had that much time with KD, with Kyrie, with Seth Curry. Um, even Bruce Brown's playing extremely well. He played really well yesterday. Almost had a triple double. So. He's kind of been that they're like Draymond Green type player. Obviously, not as impactful, but he's kind of that you that um, um, do it all type type player for them. So, yeah, I don't know that they're, they're they're kind of um, shallow in terms of their their bench. They don't got too much bench guys right now. You know, Patty Mills hasn't been playing too well. Blake Griffin, um, Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, just, you know, guys are just aging out of this league right now. Whereas on the other hand, you got the Boston Celtics who, man, what a, what a turnaround for this team, especially starting off so poorly with a new coach in, uh, Adoka and they picked it up so much that, you know, they're definitely the strongest team in the, in, in the East right now, in terms of like, since they, since the, uh, new year, especially with the way that like Marcus Smart's been playing on defense. Um, the contribution that they've been getting from their bench and, and Derek White, even um, who else on that team? Payne Pritchard. Uh, Grant Williams is shooting really well for a guy that couldn't shoot at all at Tennessee and, you know, playing the first few years um, off the bench there. So they've been playing really well. They're, they're, their calling card is defense. You know, I think they are second in the league uh, 
behind Golden State in defensive rating. So their calling card will be that, but they are missing Robert Williams, Time Lord. Uh, I'm not sure for how long. I know um, they're hoping to have him back sooner rather than later, but he's a huge, huge piece that's missing right now, especially at that center position, not only on offense where he's that, you know, rim runner, big lob guy, but he's he's been playing really well, you know, defensively, even on the perimeter when they try to, you know, get that mismatch with a guard. He's been playing really well de uh, defensively on the perimeter there. So, yeah, I don't know, man. This is like the toughest series. Um, I think it just comes down to offense versus defense. We know how well the Nets can score the ball, but, you know, they're going to need Kyrie. They're going to need Kevin Durant to, to play 40-plus minutes every game. And they're going to need contributions from Bruce Brown, um, from Nick Claxton, which from Andre Drummond. So I don't know. Like, it really depends on them finding a third, fourth guy because Ben Simmons, again, if Ben Simmons is here, uh, was uh, playing in the series, it'd be a totally different ball game, ball series. But right now he's not there. Um, there hasn't been any progress or news with, with, with him coming back within the series. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's such a tough series to, to focus on because who, who, who on the Nets is going to guard Jason Tatum? Who's, who on the Nets is going to guard Jalen Brown? You know, they, they don't have anyone that's a defensive stopper. Uh, and we know that the Celtics play very good team defense. I'm sure it's going to be tough for them to, you know, obviously stop or contain KD or Kyrie, but they have the personnel to do it. They have the team to do it. Uh, it's just, you know, trying to control and contain some of the third, fourth, fifth options from not going off. So, yeah, I'm still kind of on the fence about who's going to win the series, but I want to hear your your uh, perspective on on the matchups here and kind of the keys to the series. Well, anytime you have KD and Kyrie on your team, your your ceiling is limitless. You know, you, there's a chance that the Brooklyn Nets could go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals because they have two of the most talented players in the entire league. but at the same time, there's something to, something to be say, said about depth, and that's something that Brooklyn has had to sort of deal with all season with injuries from Joe Harris. And even Seth Curry right now, um, he's kind of hobbling. He's not 100%. So, you know, I think Boston's defense is rock solid, uh, but not having Robert Williams is going to be huge. But they're going to have a defense that's led by Jalen Brown and Mar Marcus Smart. And they've been in the playoffs many times before. I think that they're going to be able to spearhead this defense for Boston. And then you have Jalen Brown, who has gone from good to great. A lot of people would put him in the most improved category, which is, you know, crazy to think it all happened so fast in that second half of the series or season. So I think Boston's combination of home court coaching, depth and defensive capabilities is going to help them get past Brooklyn. But I have this series going to game seven. I have it going in seven, two. And oof. so you have Boston winning seven. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, could Kevin Durant average over 40 points in this series? Absolutely. And could Kyrie sprinkle in over 35 a game? Absolutely. You know, we saw Kyrie and LeBron come back from three to one against Golden State. So these guys know how to hoop and they know how to play on the biggest stage. And I just think that when it's when it's all said and done, I just think Boston has more of a comprehensive team. And at the end of the day, I think especially in the playoffs, depth will prevail. Yeah, I, I my my only thing is that that time lord comp, uh, component of the 
of this matchup here. I think he's such a big part of that team. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Celtics as well. I think home court advantage does matter. Um, I, I think KD and Kyrie will um, definitely get worn down by these guys. And the Celtics, they, ha they have really, really strong young players, but they have young players that have had, you know, playoff experience, have gone to the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last four years. Um, and yeah, I, th I think just the, the depth, like you said, is, is crucial, uh, especially when you're trying to, you know, have a war of attrition against these guys. So I'm going to go with you here, Celtics in seven, but yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I, again, the Nets can, could definitely win it still. I just don't, I don't think it's that big of a mismatch. I think it's a coin flip, to be honest. Uh, but with what the the Celtics have shown me in the last 60 games of the season, um, yeah, I, I think they're in seven, even with the uh, subtraction of Robert Williams for the time being. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Kevin Durant go off. He's probably, you know, my top three most favorite player to watch in the NBA. Absolutely, like without any question. I think with Brooklyn, they've just had a long, they've had a long season the James Harden trade, the Kyrie vaccination, the injuries um, to Durant and to um, and to Joe Harris and to, you know, a, a handful of players. I think that um, it's going to catch up to them and they will just have to sort of like regroup for next season with a healthy Ben Simmons, hopefully. But uh, but yeah, it'll be an interesting series for sure. Yeah, I want, honestly, I don't know if Simmons will play at any point in the series, but if he does, that changes his whole dynamic. But Again, let's. I'm going to assume he's not going to be playing at all this season. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Well, the other thing with that too is like he hasn't played NBA basketball in, in, in an entire season. So, how can you just throw him into game one of the playoffs and just expect him to be like a changer? I don't, I just don't see it happening. Well, because his skill sets, I don't think you need him to be offensively up to par with where everyone else is. He can, if, if his conditioning's there, we know the defensive player that he is. He's going to be better than anyone defensively on the on the Brooklyn Nets. All he needs is to pass the ball, rebound, and defend. And if they can get a guy doing like that at, let's say, 80% of what he did last year, I think that's a huge plus. But again, but I know. But you've never had a single rep with your new team in an actual but, game. Not yeah, a single sure. rep. Yeah, sure. But you got KD and Kyrie there, so... You, they, they, they try to throw that shit together last year with Harden too, and they almost won the whole thing. So I know it's not the same thing, but he played um, regular season games. How many though together? Wasn't it like 12 more games than, or something? More than one at least. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I think he's still he's still a he's still an addition from from the roster that they currently have. Yeah, no, for sure. Um gonna be an unreal series, man. I can't wait to watch it. I wish we could watch it together. I know, um, I know. But uh Let's go over to the West. Let's talk about Minnesota and Memphis. So Minnesota surprised a lot of people yesterday when they beat the Clippers in a tight-ass battle without Cat playing like himself. Um, Towns was, like, fouled out after, what, like 25 minutes of play and only had, like, 11 points. But they were carried by the one and only Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell, who dropped 30 and 29 each. Um, let's definitely dig into this playoff series, but... Uh, I wanted to ask, are you concerned about Cat's performance yesterday? Because I know you chatted about it in the group. I'm a little concerned because it's not like he's a young player anymore. 
what he's this is sixth seventh year in the league yeah it's 26 um 26 right so seven years in the league um he's supposed to be their their go-to franchise um all-star and i get it you know you're you you got into early foul trouble but when he got back in um but you're watching the game his fifth foul was just so stupid it was just so stupid like they he 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 lowered his shoulder on Batum, got away with a foul there, and then got to the paint and just, again, lowered his shoulder. They called it. So that's fifth foul, putting his team already in. They were already down. So they, he, they, they, he put him in a really shitty situation. And then his sixth foul, like, you just got to be smart with it. He just hasn't been playing, you know, great basketball. And him and D'Lo, again, guys that I get that, you know, they're offensive, you know, they're really skilled offensively. But I just don't think they think the game as highly as some of the other guys. Um, and really, I think this team goes as far as Anthony Edwards will take them. You know, I, I think you know what you're going to get from Cat. You're going to get 25, 30 points a game um, on a good night. Um, you're hoping D'Angelo Russell can get you 20, 25 a game, but those two guys don't play defense whatsoever. Um, and and they, don't, they don't really have that, like, alpha mentality because they've never been, you know, strong – playoff performance because they just haven't been there. And I think Anthony Edwards, that fresh 20 year old kid, first overall pick from last season, took a huge step this season. Um, a guy that they can go to late in game. And, you know, I, I think the Pat Bev, I know, I know people like to hate on him, but we, we kind of saw, if you're watching the game last night, the impact that he had um, diving for loose balls, getting charges, you know, flopping and getting the calls there and, just the emotion I, that he plays with, you know, you don't really need much from him offensively, even though I, I believe I heard he's the best um, rebounding guard under like six, four uh, in the league. So he, he gives you, you know, the, the different impact throughout the game. Uh, so I, I think just having him as a, as a guy to kind of lead that team, especially for a young team. Um, I, I don't expect them to get out of the first round, but I think there's going to be a huge, huge step for this, for this franchise who, again, they doubled their win totals from last year. They fired their coach, you know, mid midway through the season, hired Chris Finch from the Raptors. And he's done a spectacular job with, with kind of the roster that he, that he's had, you know, the, the big moves that they've done was, you know, hired Chris, get Anthony Edwards and kind of really develop Jaden McDaniels and um, who else on that, Roster Vanderbilt, you know, just like the younger guys that, you know, late first picks, second round picks that they've been able to really develop into good role players. And I think they have a strong base now. So I think that Memphis series is going to go decently far. But yeah, I just, I do like this team. I think they have a great, you know, path moving forward. Uh, and they played a really, really strong game last night. Yeah, I think people are really overreacting about yesterday's performance. I mean, it was just one game. And if you want to talk about, you know, important fourth quarter, or important game blunders, look no further than James Harden. Like it happens, right? So, I mean, for Cat's sake, I think what it showed more than anything is just the resolve of the team. And, you know, they were hit with a little bit of adversity, but we had Anthony Edwards and Edwards and D'Angelo Russell step up. So I think for them going into the playoffs, um, climbing out of that with a win without Cat is huge in terms of like the team's morale. And I think that's going to, you know, help them at least get a little bit of confidence going into that series with Memphis. So I kind of look at it as a positive that 
you know, Cat probably has Cat probably had one of the worst games that I've that I can remember, and the team was able to still come out with the win. So I think sure. you got to take a positive out of that, especially for a young team too. Um, but yeah, now they play Memphis, and Memphis has the second best record in the NBA. They've won 19 of their last 22 games at home. And this is definitely my top three favorite matchup because it's loaded with next generation talent. John Moran and Edwards are human highlight reels. Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, Bain is going to be a candidate for most improved. Cat, you could argue that he's one of the most talented offensive bigs in the league. And then you sprinkle in guys like D'Lo and Brooks and even like Reed. I like how Reed plays. But uh, from a matchup perspective, I think the regular season says a lot. They split the season series 2-2. Both teams are full health every time they played. And uh, the games were decided by like eight points or less. So, Tuan, are you excited? Are you interested? How do you feel about this series? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in the series. I think, like I, I mentioned earlier, I think the series is a little closer than what people would want to to assume uh, based off of how well Memphis played this year and how, you know, still Timberwolves are up and coming. Um, but the thing is, you know, obviously we know that the playoffs are a, a different monster, a different beast from, from the regular season. And this will be the first time that Morant, Bain, Brooks, uh, Triple J will, you know, really get a taste of playoff basketball. I know last year they got swept by the Jazz. So they haven't they haven't proven any, anything yet, and with the Timberwolves, like I, like I mentioned earlier, um, Cat again, Cat, Ant Man, D'Lo, still very limited playoff experience there. Uh, not too many guys on both rosters that have too much playoff uh, or that are battle tested in the playoffs. Probably outside of like Stephen Adams and Patrick Beverly, those are the two veterans that you know both teams will depend on. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be the reason why I think it's going to be closer than what, you know, you would expect um, from a two and seven seed is the matchups because, you know, John Morant, best player on, on I would say on either team, um, he's going to have a lot of guys that he's going to uh, be seeing from like defensive coverage, you know, Pat Beverly for sure will be the number one assignment on him. Uh, but like I mentioned, like Jaden McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt, guys that are switchable, guys that can play one to three, one to four, um, that, that are versatile and they can stay on the floor because they shoot well. I think that's huge for them. Um, and then how is Jaren Jackson going to be able to guard Cat? You know, Cat's not really your standard five. He's kind of a stretch five that can shoot the three. We saw that, at the you know, throughout the season. He's like a 40-plus percentage three-point shooter, but he's also a very, like, um, a pretty big force within within the paint too. You know, he can score from anywhere close to outside of the, you know, the the arc. And I, I just think Jaron Jackson, you know, again, like you said, a defensive player of the year candidate, this will be his time to really prove that he can handle that. I know they got Steven Adams in there, but Steven Adams kind of still more of that slow footed center. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to, you know, contain the uh, anything that Pat's going to be able to do. Obviously he's going to be able to rebound with with the bigs from uh, Minnesota, but I think matchup wise, uh, Minnesota's you know pretty favorable with kind of the the guys that they had to go against, and and I still think you know guys like Dylan Brooks 
I love Dylan Brooks, you know, Canadian here, but he's streaky as hell. And he can kind of go into that zone sometimes where he's very like tunnel vision and he's going to look for his own. And, you know, he hasn't played too many games this year. I believe he's missed like 50 games because of an injury. So, um, again, that's still a young team. Taylor Jenkins has them playing super, super cohesively. So I'm not too worried about it, but that's something that, you know, that's going to be on my radar. I want to see how Dylan Brooks plays. I want to see how Desmond Bain plays as a second-year player. Um, again, these guys are young, still super young. There's no, there's no um, battle-tested vets on this team. So, um, yeah, I, I think just matchup-wise, that's why I think it's going to be closer. And I'm going to say this game, you know, the series goes to the seven um, with for, 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 for Memphis. But I think it's going to be much closer than what people think. Seven. Seven. I'm going seven. That's my bold prediction. I don't think this series is going to be close. Um, I don't think Memphis is happy to be in the playoffs this year. I think they have championship aspirations. Um, with regards to Cat. JJ and Adams are definitely going to be the assignment on Cat. I think JJ will be more of that perimeter defender. They're going to be able to throw a double at Cat. And then anything under anything in the key is going to be on Adams. And I think that, you know, both of those players are pretty tenacious on the defensive end. And I think that they're not going to be a nightmare for Cat, but they're definitely going to get in his way from, you know, scoring over 25 points per game. I think the major thing with Memphis, though, is that. I think this season has been huge for them in the sense that they're 20 and four without John Morant. And that really reminds me of the Raptors in 2019 when we were playing without Kawhi. And we, I think we had like a, you know, a 20 and 10 record without Kawhi, for example. But what that did was just give everyone else on the team reps. And I think that's super important in these situations where Pat Bev might be all over John Morant. But one thing I've seen with John Morant is he is totally fine with giving up the basketball and letting the rest of the team run the offense. Um, he's not a heliocentric guard. He's definitely, you know, capable and willing to allow the offense to flow without him having the ball. And I think that's going to be very important. Um, the other thing that I've taken a note on with, with Memphis is just their chemistry. And that's not something you can really quantify, but when you watch them play throughout the season, which I've done a, more than a handful of times, uh, they play with a lot of joy. The bench is always super involved. Jaw is self selfless. And I think that, um, yeah, this whole season was just a preparation of the postseason because, like you said, this is going to be a tough assignment for John Morant because Minnesota has a lot of, like, gritty guards that they can throw at him. But I think the other guys are just going to show up when he can't. So I have this going to five. Well, well no, I, I, I really like what Memphis has done this year. Um, I just think two, two teams that are super young and I think Kat or uh, Anthony Edwards, um, we haven't really seen his full potential yet. And I think this is his time to either shine or, you know, get that really tough learning curve here. So, I, I, you know, as, as an Adidas athlete, I think he's going to kill it. And I think that's the reason why I think it's be closer than, than some, some people expect. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if it does go five. But from just looking at the roster, looking at the matchups, maybe this, maybe it's recency bias because I saw the Timberwolves play yesterday and I think they, they played a really strong game at home. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take that little bold, uh, bold prediction and I'll say seven for, I mean, uh, for spo Memphis. Spoiler, spoiler alert, though, like I have Memphis going to the conference finals. So 
I think that, um, Ooh, I think this is a big year for them. And I think that their mindset is just a lot more than just like, we're happy to be here. Um, I think them and Phoenix are in the Western conference are playing with massive chips on their shoulder this year. So, um, will be interesting for sure. Uh, yeah, I, just, I, just, I just think Memphis needs one more year, but okay. We'll see. We'll see. That's just my, that's my prediction. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's, let's go ahead to the next matchup. Let's uh, so I have Golden State Nuggets as my next matchup. The season series for this is pretty interesting. Um, sorry, the season series for this is pretty interesting because Golden State played every game without green and they played two without Thompson. But on the other hand, Jokic averaged 28, 16, and 9 versus Golden State this season, which is fucking crazy. When I saw that stat, my jaw dropped. Um, there's a lot of question marks around Golden State right now because uh, I guess they're supposed to be like healthy-ish. Um, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on this series? Yeah, this series, I think it all comes down to Steph's injury. I think if he's back and playing at, let's say, 90%, I really don't think the Nuggets have a fighting chance. Um, you know, I was able, I was lucky enough to go watch the Nuggets play probably a week or two ago when they were playing the Lakers. And again, it's tough to base, you know, any anything off one game, especially against the Lakers. But um, Jokic is definitely the best player I've seen live this year. Just the, the impact that he has, um, not only offensively, it was surprising how many like tips he had, how many strips he had. Um, he just plays the game so perfectly and just at, at such a beautiful pace and flow. Um, so even with Steph on the floor, I think right now Jokic is the better player, the more impactful player, but just their, their depth is just lacking. We, we know that Jamal is hurt and there's still like some, some news coming out that it's his timeline. Like he can, he, he, he can go whenever, but it's just his feel for if he can come back for, for this series. I don't think Porter uh, Jr. is coming out, coming back this, um, this season. So they're left with guys like Monte Morris, um, Aaron Gordon, uh, Bowens Highland, the rookie who played really well when I watched him play. Um, they got Boogie as um, Jokic or uh, yeah, Jokic's backup. So they're just they're just you know thin thin roster wise. Um, if they had uh, Jamal, if they had MPJ, one of those guys, this series might be closer than than what I think it's going to be. Uh, but again, on the other side as well, steps in steps hurt. And the question here is like, can Jordan Poole continue to play at kind of his most improved player uh, level right now as either the primary, excuse me, primary or secondary scorer. And we're, we're seeing kind of clay slowly, but surely kind of, you know, ramp it up right now. The last three games of the season, he had 36, 33 and 41 points. So that's huge. For a guy that still, you know, coming off two major injuries, hasn't been playing for the last, you know, year and a half, two years. So a lot of questions between these two teams right now. And, you know, I think if Steph's coming back, if he plays, you know, for a few games in the series, I think it goes to the, the Golden State Warriors, especially with just their supporting cast, even though Wiggins has not been playing well at all since the, 
since the all-star break. And there's still questions about how Draymond's playing. You know, he got hurt a little bit at the tail end of the season there. And then, like I mentioned, Denver is just so thin up front um, at, at every position outside of center that, you know, if Aaron Gordon is not making a shot, if Will Barnes is missing and Monte Morris can't contribute on the offensive end, then um, it's going to be tough or even for the Nuggets to beat Golden State without Steph Curry. So I think Jokic will throw out huge numbers, be the most impactful player, but just due to circumstance, due to the roster um, that is currently constructed for the Nuggets and the injuries that they have, um, even without um, Curry for some games, I think this Golden State Warriors, because not only do they have, again, they haven't had their full roster all season, the Golden State Warriors, so they're not like the greatest offensive team, because of that, but they're still first defensively um, in the entire league. So, you know, that just comes down to Steve Kerr putting his guys in the right position, um, you know, providing Otto Porter, uh, Kaminga, uh, Scott Anderson, just be able to, you know, play that defensive role that they want for those guys, for those guys and just allow Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry to, to really um, take that offensive load for them. So, yeah, I just think just with the the veteran experience that Golden State has, the players that are going to be available to them, um, I I think Golden State's going to win in either five or six, depending on who's available. But that's kind of my my feeling for for where each player is at in terms of Jamal and Steph uh, from an injury perspective. Yeah, I mean, I always have a problem with one man armies. Um, I was always skeptical of the James Harden Houston Rockets. I'm skeptical uh, skeptical about how Dallas uses Luka, although it's getting better. And I'm skeptical about Denver, as good as Jokic is. You know, I hope he's MVP this year. But this series is going to be Jokic dominating the paint versus Curry, Thompson, and Poole dominating the perimeter. And both teams have, I'd say Golden State has a little bit more depth, but both teams have you know, not the most depth. So like, there's no doubt that Jokic is going to bully the hell out of Looney, but Denver is super, super thin. And I, like you said, just having Michael Porter Jr. and or Jamal Murray would have been a huge difference maker in this series. Um, I just don't think Denver has any margin for error. If Jokic gets foul trouble or if he gets tired, they're absolutely screwed. So I actually have this series going for nothing for the Golden State Warriors. I think that it's going to be a sweep. I don't think that Golden State Warriors, I don't think the Warriors are going to particularly play, you know, outstanding basketball. And I actually have a lot of concerns of them with them after the first round. But I think in this particular series with the lack of depth that Denver has and just how focused they're going to be allowed to be on Jokic, I just think that it's going to end up being a sweep. Yeah, um, I could see that, but I, I think Jokic is going to steal at least one or two games. I think he's just playing so well right now. Um, he's, yeah, playing better than last year uh, for sure. And just watching him play, man, it's, honestly, it was like, it was mesmerizing. Not, like, not, not even like joking or like getting around, just watching him just, just be so methodical in the way that he plays and just understanding he was making every read, every read in terms of, either, you know, getting his own, making the right pass, um, bringing the ball up. And he, he looks a lot more like agile and quick um, 
like in person. So it was it, it was super impressive to watch to watch him play. So it, it, was, it was super cool to you know just have that experience. But yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll give my definite like def, definite answer here, and I'll, I'll say I'll say Golden State in six. Yeah, we should be a good series. You know, I I want I think Clay has what it takes to get back into playoff form, even though it's kind of like last minute. You know, he's just been there so many times. They've been in the finals together so many times. Like you said, 33, 36, 41. Like I could see him um, catching his stride, even though I'm a little nervous about his performance in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest question mark, Steph, you know, I think he's been he's been off since he got the scoring title. You know, since he got the scoring title, he just hasn't been the same. And after that, then they got Clay back. And I don't think he's been able to find his rhythm. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to no, be very right. hard to get your rhythm in the playoffs. I feel like all that stuff has to happen before that starts. But, you know, if anyone can do it, it's a team that's been to the finals a handful of times. Yeah, exactly. All right, Dallas, Utah. We were, I think last episode 50, we were talking about how Dallas is one of the hottest teams in the second half of the season since that Porzingis trade. But uh, one thing we can both agree on is they go as far as Luca goes. And unfortunately he was recently injured with a calf injury. And I thought it looked a lot worse than the Dallas Mavericks are saying it is, but they're saying that he'll be back for the game one of the playoffs. And I have my hesitations about, him being sort of 50% or 60% because everything goes through him. On the other hand, we got Utah, who's got the league's most efficient offense per 100 per hundred possessions. Uh, they're a top 10 defense in the NBA, and they got the second best net rating in the West. I did not find I did not come up with these uh, stats. I, I found them online, but uh, none of this matters. None of this matters because for Utah, it's conference finals or bust. So like every matchup, teams are going to counter Gobert and try to expose him. And Dallas has, I think, Maxi Kleber to do that. But uh, Tuan, what do you think about this series? Yeah, this, this series hinges on that Luka injury. So did, did you hear recently that he's, he's ready for game one? Is that what I'm that... saying? That's what they're saying. He's ready for game one. Oh, really? Okay. Okay, I, I yeah, I thought that injury was worse than 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 that too. I thought he'd be out for at least a few games, but if he's if he's ready for game one, then yeah, it's got. I think it's still gonna be a super tight series. I think people are sleeping on the Jazz just a little bit, just a little bit. I think they've been you know that team that you know first second in the in the West for for the last two three seasons, flamed out against the the Nuggets in the bubble. Um, lost to a shorthanded Clippers last season um, when they should have definitely played the Suns in the conference finals. And people are just tired of them. You know, people are just tired of talking about them. Um, they kind of remind me of like the, the early 2010 Atlanta Hawks, you know, the, the super, super competitive um, regular season team, but just not being able to get it done in the playoffs. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert always there's there's a little, always a little bit of tension there and you know there's recent um, you know just kind of noise around um, them not playing well together Mitchell not you know passing the ball to Gobert you know there's a clip out there or whatever it's just too much noise for that team but I think they're just a little underrated I think they still have you know Mike Conley who again just hasn't been playing as well as you want him to. 
Jordan Clarkson, you know, cooling down a little bit after a super, super um, strong season last year, a six man. And then, you know, Bogdanovich as well. He's, he wasn't, Bogdanovich was out last, last playoffs, right? Was he out in the ser- series against the Nuggets? Or am, I, or am I thinking of someone else? I can't remember. I think he was hurt. I think he was hurt for, for last year's series. So they didn't have Bogdanovich. Like, correct me if I'm wrong here. I could, I could be thinking of another series, but I don't think they had him for the playoffs last year. So he's a huge piece of that team, probably the third best player, I would say. Um, and, you know, obviously Joel Ingles kind of being that, that glue guy for that team. I don't know who, who, who's that going to be for them this year. It might be like Royce O'Neal. Uh, but they still have like Rudy Gay, uh, a guy that can give them some minutes off the bench, Hassan Whiteside. So honestly, I like Utah in this matchup because I know what I'm getting from them. I know they're the number one uh, offensive in the league. Uh, we, we know that they, they, they have the defensive uh, players and um, just schemes to to, to to do whatever with Luca, but again, Luca, if he's if he's if he's playing on one leg, and that's gonna be tough because they're they're just not super strong um, roster wise. You know, they have um, who who do they have? Jalen Brunson. They got uh, Dinwiddie. Yeah, Dinwiddie, who's been playing really well. You know, I'll eat some crow on that. He he definitely has you know uh, exceeded expectations from you know how how well he's been playing, especially what we saw of him with the Wizards. So um, I just think they're really thin up front. Like you said, they have Dwight Powell. They have Maxi Kleber. They have uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. So, you know, ha- it's just going to be tough up front for them to contain any, any of those lobs, any of those um, ISOs that, you know, Gobert might get or guys like, yeah, I don't know. Like, well, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. It's just, this is a tough, tough one because there's so much question mark with Luka. If Luca's healthy, I think it's a very close series. Uh, but even with Luca, I think Utah, um, I think Utah takes this. I agree with you. I think Utah just has the more comprehensive team. Something to be said about their five years of continuity that I think is eventually going to to click for them. Who did they play last year? Did they lose to the Clippers? Yeah, they lost to the Clippers. Remember see, when Kawhi? That's the thing. Like, I don't see any. See, the thing with Dallas is they are so one-dimensional, and I think it's changed a little since the Dinwiddie trade. But mm. you got to remember, Marcus Morris went unconscious, unconscious one of those games for the Clippers or whichever Morris brother it was. Um, Reggie Jackson, I remember, went off one of those yeah, games. Terrence Mann, Terrence Mann yeah, went off. Terrence Mann had 39 points. Yeah, yeah. He had 39 exactly. points. Uh, Paul George. So, like, the Clippers actually had weapons, and I think the trajectory for the Clippers that season was kind of Western Conference Finals, and they actually didn't live up to their expectations. But I don't see anyone on Dallas that's going to be able to rise up to the occasion like any one of those players on the Clippers did. On the other hand, Utah has the exact same roster practically. And as I mentioned, there's statistics from the season, like, they're pretty much top 10 in everything. And they've kind of been that way the last couple of seasons. If there's any, if there's going to be any time for them to get past the first round or even the second round, this is the year. 100%. 100%. I, I think this is their year. I they, they also remind me a little bit of the Raptors, you know, when the year, like those years where it's just the Raptors kept getting knocked out in the first, second round. And then they finally made it to the Western Conference finals. 
lost there, but then they finally got Kawhi. And, you know, it's just like the little building blocks. And I, I get it. You know, people are, aren't just, you know, you're playing in a small market team. Uh, Mitchell and um, Gobert aren't, you know, the most likable players, I would say, you know, they, they, they're, again, they're just not, you know, top five, top 10 players in the league. So you just don't hear too much about them, but I think they're sneaky quiet, uh, a little too quiet for me. So I, I think, I think they'll play well. I think they'll squeak this out, especially with um, Luca's question marks there. But if, if Luca's healthy and he's at 9,500% back to kind of playing where he's at, it's definitely closer than, than I'm, you know, letting out. But I, I think even with Luca being out there, I think, again, with you, what you said there, the continuity, um, just the cohesiveness and the, the, the team that they've been building around uh, Donovan Mitchell these last few years, I, I think that kind of is all part and play right now. And I think that's a, a huge get for them. So, yeah, I, I think it's the Jazz and I'll say Jazz in seven. Wow, you got three game sevens. I hope you're right because I love watching game sevens. Um I got Jazz in six. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, no, I, honestly, I'll, I'll go to game seven if I can't de- like definitively like point out like a winner. Um, I, I think, yeah, both teams play different styles. Um, Dallas, super strong defensively this year. You know, something that you wouldn't really think from not only a Luka-led team, but a Jason Kidd-led team. And Utah, Another, like just super strong offensively, like super efficient. They're shooting a lot of threes. So it could be that Utah wins one game by 30 and then lose the next one by like 10, 15. It's just, you know, just the, the way that they play, the way that they shoot. When they get hot, they get hot. And they, they're a team that takes the most threes in the league and they live and die by three. So that's what happened last year with, with them against Utah. They just missed too many threes. So, yeah, we'll see. My, my pick here is, yeah, Utah in seven. Again, I hope you're right because there's nothing better than watching a game seven. Um, sure. So we're, we're not going to touch on like the one eight seeds, Miami. We don't know who they're playing right now. Let me just take yeah. a quick look um, at my score mobile app. We can see the score of that game. It's 56-70. Atlanta's up. So I know we can just chalk it up as them playing the Hawks. But let's, let's dive into that another time. Maybe the next pod we do, we can touch on the one eight. Uh, because I definitely want to talk about Phoenix. They they've been ste- they've steamrolled the entire regular season. Um, they are, whew, in my opinion, I could see it be another uh, Phoenix Milwaukee uh, finals matchup. I don't want to talk about it right now, but we definitely need to give credit to Phoenix at some point because they've had such a strong regular season. I think they're going to just steamroll through the playoffs as well. Um, so yeah, Tuan, we got to figure out how we're going to do that. That's cool. No, let's we we yeah we can uh, we can park that for now because I don't want to go too too in depth with with any sort of like predictions or analysis, especially since we don't know who they're gonna play yet. But yeah, Phoenix, they are the juggernaut. They are the team to beat, and all arrows are all everything is pointing for them to win right now. It's it's incredible what team that they've been able to assemble. Um, just just everything is yeah, man. They. They, they are the heavy, I, I think they're the heavy favorites to win not only the Western Conference, but the finals as well. Well, the thing too is, and I said this about Memphis, I think they're, I think they're pissed. You know, you, San Antonio lost to Miami that year where Ray Allen hit that shot in the baseline. That whole next season was 
was them just playing with that thought in their head, that loss mm-hmm. to Miami. And I think Philly did the, or I think Phoenix did the exact same thing this year. They, they never took their foot off the gas. And I think everything they did throughout the regular season was to prepare them for uh, the finals again. I think it's finals or bust for them. Yeah, no, no, for sure. For sure. And again, we could, you know, dig into this a little later, but they are the most clutch team in the league. They got the best leader in the league. They got one of the best young players in the league. They got two of the best three and D guys in Mikel Bridges and Cameron Johnson. So again, we can keep going on, but great team. I hope they do well. Let's see. Let's see who they play in the the first round, and we we can circle back on on them uh, in the next episode. So we uh, I made a little bit of a mistake here. We didn't talk about Milwaukee, Chicago. Um, Good. Not a not a very exciting matchup for me personally. Uh, only because Chicago has regressed so much in the second half of the season for whatever reason. And uh, I, I, I think this is going to be a sweep for Milwaukee. Is there anything you wanted to touch on with regards to that season or series before we talk about Philly and Toronto? Yeah. Um, if, if, if you like offered me the series two, three months ago, it'd be super exciting. And I would have been like, oh, shit, are they playing in the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, cause I believe Chicago, they started like 26 and 10. And ever since then, they've just plummeted down to earth. Um, but again, you got to really take in, uh, into consideration all the injuries that they've had with not only Lonzo ball, who's out for the season, unfortunately for them, he was playing some of the best basketball of his career, um, playing with guys that, you know, know how to play basketball, know how to, you know, kind of defer to them a little bit losing Patrick Williams for the majority of the season. I, I think he had like the thumb injury or whatever. And then Crusoe for like half the season as well. So they played so well with that with that full roster in the first like 20, 30 games in, this, in the beginning of the season. You know, a lot of hype around them, a lot of talk around that team. And they just fizzled out because of those injuries. And, you know, DeMar's playing probably at the, the highest level he's ever played at right now. But, you know, the, th- the thing about DeMar, and we've, we've, we've known this uh, as Raptors fans, is he kind of fizzles out in the, in the playoffs too. He's always playing well below the standard that you expect from him because the game slows down. He's not going to get to the free throw line as often. Um, and, you know, his dependence on his mid-range is, is a little too much, especially with his poor three-point shooting percentage and his lack of attempts from that, from that range. So, you know, defenses are able to really uh, narrow in on them a little more than, than you expect. But they still have a lot of, you know, firepower. They still got like Zach Levine. They still got Nikola Vucevic. So they got three perennial all-stars right there. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not going to be close. It's not going to be close. Um, if they had a full roster, I would say it'd be a, a lot closer than it is. But just Giannis. I don't, we, we, we don't really have to go into too much of the series. Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Um, they're getting Brooke Lopez, uh, Lopez back, who, again, maybe his three-point shot isn't as effective as it was two, three seasons ago, but he's still first-team All-NBA defender uh, last season. So uh, him being back is going to be huge for them. They don't have to play Giannis too much at, you know, at the center position now. And, yeah, they – they're the champions of last year so they know how to get to that point they know how to you know um steal and just you know close out games and Giannis has taken another step forward this season I would say he 
is you know top three obviously in in MVP voting and if they had a better record he could have been MVP so um I think this is a gentleman sweep I think Chicago probably gets one game at home but just with how Chicago's played in the last 40 50 games I just don't see it happening for them especially on the defensive end um and yeah who's who's gonna stop Giannis it's it's uh it's a terrible matchup for them and uh it sucks especially for the season that they started to have and um yeah unfortunate for them with the, with all those injuries maybe uh maybe next year is a is another year for them but um yeah gentlemen sweet give me uh milwaukee in five milwaukee in five yeah i mean what was it, april 10th like three days ago when milwaukee played cleveland they 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 bowed out of that game so that they could get that three seed. You know, they, they bowed out of that game to let Cleveland beat them so that they wanted Chicago. And, you know, I usually have a problem when teams try to like MacGyver their seating so that they could, you know, pick a certain team, but, you know, Chicago can take offense to that and play as hard as they want. But I, I have no solution for Giannis in terms of who on, uh, Chicago can guard him. I think he's going to have a, an epic, like an epic series in terms of statistics. I don't think anyone's going to be able to get in his way. And then my other concern is just holiday on DeMar and, you know, oh, yeah. DeMar's, DeMar's having an epic season himself. Um, you know, for the first three, I'd say for three quarters of the season, he was sort of in MVP considerations, whether it was, you know, you know, a third vote, a fourth vote, a fifth vote. So, He's having an unbelievable season, but I think things are gonna things are gonna take a turn for the worse with him when Holiday is matched up with him, you know. So I don't really have much notes on this particular season. I think series, I think it's gonna be a sweep for Milwaukee. Yeah, fair, fair. I can see that too. Yeah, I mean that's it. That's all then. Let's uh, let's talk about our boys. You know, let's I was talking about our boys, saving the best for last. Um, I'm going to pretty much leave the floor open here. All I know is when I (laughs) dug into the weeds, um, Raptors fans should be encouraged. You know, in the last four outings we've had with Philly, four different players have scored over 30 points. Gary Trent, Pascal Siakam, I think for uh, OG and Chris Boucher had like 28 against them. Mm -hmm. And we we've uh, beat Philly three of four times. So the season series was three to one. Um, Harden was practically a no-show in the last outing in Philly. I think, was it in Philly? I believe it was. Yeah, it was in Philly. Yeah, we took that road game. It was a Philly, yeah. Which is crazy to think about. And the more the more I look into this, like they don't have an answer for Pascal Siakam. No, no, they don't. But again, we, we the last time we saw Pascal in, in any sort of playoff, high-level situation, he was probably the worst playoff performer I've seen in a very long time since Damar, I would say, you know, they he just had a terrible matchup against the Celtics and Jalen Brown. And, and see, that that's crew. The thing. they had Jalen Brown. I know, I know, I know. I know. In this particular I know, I know. situation, especially, you know, they don't have Thibel at home games. I think, I just don't know who's going to be able to guard Siakam. Yeah, no, for sure. The person that's going to stop, stop Siakam is going to be Siakam. So that's, I, I, I'm not, I'm not downplaying Siakam's season. He's playing so well. I love, I love Pascal. He's going to be hopefully a um, all NBA third team guy 
Um, but that's my only concern from like a, a level for us uh, just playing style for, for Pascal and kind of what, what we've seen in the past. But, you know, someone who, someone else who hasn't ever really performed well in the playoffs is James Harden. And we know with, he's, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury um, all season. Um, that, that's what took him out last year. And he's going up against the Raptors perimeter defenders who are probably some of the best um, defenders in the league, I would say. When you got Freddie Van Vliet, he's probably going to be a second team, all NBA defensive guy. They got Gary Trent, switch OG and Scotty onto him. So a lot of looks uh, that way. I, I'm actually curious to see who uh, Nick Nurse will start on Harden. I wonder if it's going to be Scotty um, or if it's going to be one of the smaller smaller uh, defenders uh, in Freddie or, or Gary Trent. Um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously going to be Harden and Embiid versus the collective of the Raptors. We know Embiid will eat because the Raptors don't have that, um, you know, a, a, I guess a consistent or reliable center um, to really guard him. It's going to be a, a, a team effort here. I just don't know if Ken Birch, if Chris Boucher, um, if, um, sorry, I'm blanking out on, uh, on the others, uh, Precious, if he's going to be able to, um, or all three of them are going to be able to guard him at all. I'm just going to assume that Embiid's going to go for 35 and 12 or 15 every game. Uh, it's just the supporting cast for that team. Um, if, if Harden is able to get to any sort of level that he was before the hamstring injury, Raptors might be in trouble. Um, if Maxi plays to the level that he's been playing all season, the Raptors could be in trouble. And if Tobias Harris finds any sort of groove or hot streak, the Raptors could be in trouble. But that's a lot of ifs for, for the Sixers. Again, this is this series will be super close. This will this this is a oh man, I, it's gonna be such a chess match between both coaches. The one thing I'm gonna say is the, the X factor in this series won't be the players, it's gonna be the coaches. And I think we have the advantage with Nick Nurse. We've seen what he's been able to do with a lesser roster, you know, when, when we took Boston to game seven with, you know, with that roster, unbelievable. And what we've seen Doc Rivers do time over and over again, just choke 3-1, 3-1, and always, you know, kind of coach way below um, the expectations that his teams usually has. And I know Embiid and Harden, you know, top three guys um, getting to the foul line. So I think Refing is going to be a little bit of uh, a factor here too. If if the if these guys get the whistle, it's going to be tough for the Raptors because again, they have a bit of a hard time scoring in the half court. The Raptors do. So if the game slows down, Harden and Embiid get to the foul line. If Gary Trent's not going, if Siakam can't get a shot going, it's going to be an ugly, ugly series. Um, I think it's going to be a, a pretty a defensive series from just, you know, just from the, the personnel that I, I see on both sides. And I think the Matisse-Thibault thing, like you mentioned, is going to be a huge thing for, a huge advantage for the Raptors. Even though he's not known as an offensive player, we know what he can do defensively. You know, I, I think Pascal will have a little bit of harder time with him um, because there's really no one else on that team that, that, that can stop Pascal. And 
who's gonna scott who's gonna guard scotty he's he's gonna be an like a legit an x, x factor on the floor there just as a guy that is gonna be able to do everything he's gonna provide a lot of energy to the raptors and i just think the raptors have a better collective that i'll also say that just more you know experience you know winning that championship with you know og pascal boucher freddie and then you know they, they, they have guys that are still really young so there's still question marks if scotty is able to play up to the level that he has been playing at all year same with precious same with gary trent jr so a lot of question marks here but i think um it's gonna be the i, I this is gonna be such a fun series i, I can't wait to watch it um sorry for rambling on but what, what are your quick takes on just the whole series and kind of what are your um what, what do you think are the key factors to to for either team to to decide the series i mean when i put on my homer hat i see pascal siakam being the second best player in the series between both teams next to joel Embiid, and i see scotty barnes coming out of his shell and having like a what do you call it a transitional moment as a player you know that's that's the that's the best case scenario here i see og you know doing what we wanted og to do all season which is you know score 15 to 20 points a game um and our depth just sort of realizing his potential you know the skeptic tells me that okay Regardless of how poorly James Harden has played all season, it's still James Harden. And I just see him getting to the line a, tons of t- a ton of times. And then I see Joel Embiid just dominating us, right? So I don't know. It, it's tough. I, I want to be optimistic. And to be honest, I am. But I'm a little worried about the mainstream media. And I feel like all eyes are on Toronto right now. Everyone's giving us a ton of credit. You know, the guys on ESPN are saying that, you know, we have what it takes to beat Philadelphia and just being on that side of the fence makes me a little nervous. Cause I like when our team's hungry. So I really don't know. I was rambling on there too. I don't, I don't oh, know no. what to expect. Um, but yeah, you know, if Pascal Siakam can be the second best player in this, in this uh, series, then I think that uh, we got a, we got a good chance. Yes, if, if Pascal plays at the level that he's been playing at all season, we have we have a really good chance. But then I think about too, like the Sixers don't have much depth. They got Maxi, Tobias, Harden, and Embiid, and then who else do they have as their their fifth guy? Like Niang, Green, Korkmaz. Like who yeah, are they? No. Gonna, who are Maybe they, they going to rely on? Whereas man, like I think trade? It's Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent has been lights out offensively for us, and he's like top three in steals in the NBA. Okay. Then you got OG, then you got Van Fleet, then you got Boucher, then you got Precious, then you got Ken Birch. Like our depth is, is, I mean, it's nothing to take lightly. That's for sure. No. And yeah, no, you were saying like the 76ers are like, yeah, they have no depth because they traded it all. They, they gave away Seth Curry. They gave away Andre Drummond as much as, you know, I, I hate, I want to hate on Drummond. He would have been a, impactful backup center for them when, when, you know, because the on and off numbers for Joel is like, uh, is crazy. Like when, when he's off the court, even for like four or five minutes, they're horrendous. They're terrible. So the Raptors definitely have to uh, take advantage of the time that he's off. 
because I don't even really know who the hell is their back is backup. Is their backup center DeAndre Jordan? Is that who's who they're playing now? So if if the Raptors are able to just take advantage of that, again, like you said, the Raptors, the one thing that they're they're lacking and um that I'm a little worried about is shot creation late in late in the shot clock. You know, Freddie's a little too small to really get like his shot off. I I think the the player that's gonna be able to really make a big impact for us is gonna be Gary Trent. I th- I think he he's the one guy that I can confidently say get it get a shot off anytime he wants. And if he gets hot, Gary Trent gets hot. We've seen how many times he's scored he's got scored 30 plus, 40 plus this season. So, you know, they're healthy now. Uh all got like everyone's playing. So their starting five is gonna be filthy. It's just who's gonna come off the bench? Is it gonna be Thad Young, Achua? Um who else? Birch. I, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 gotta be, I think the the bench might even influence the series a little um a little there so yeah man this is this is a coin flip for me obviously as a homer rap or a raptors homer i'm gonna pick raptors in seven but i could also see sixers just fucking and be just killing the raptors and they have no answer and we can call it a quick five six game series but i just think the raptors are playing they're the hottest team in the league as of the last month and a half i think they're 13 and six or no uh 13 and four or something like that in the last 17 games. So they're playing really well, um, you know, on all levels right now. And I just think they have the best coach in the league. Um, We've seen it for the last two, three years. Nick Nurse um, will, you know, be a big, um, will have a big influence on this entire series. And if Doc Rivers is Doc Rivers, I really hope he continues to be Doc Rivers and, you know, flames out in the playoffs. I would love to see that, but you never know. He also he's also a championship coach. Can't downplay that, and he has a talent. And if James Harden um, gets into one of his little grooves, into his little flow, you know, it could be a tough series for the Raptors too. Yeah, I watched James Harden drop thirty five against the Raptors when he was playing for Brooklyn, and and I've seen him play live with the Rockets. And when he gets into a groove. I find it very boring to watch, but it's also unstoppable. Um, but yeah, I think my concern is that I'm not concerned for the first time in a, going into a series. I'm just like not worried. And I actually have faith in these guys. I think you just gotta, you gotta roll with it. If I had, if I had a hundred bucks, I'd put it on the Raptors, you know, and one of the things that made me sort of more confident towards this series was just thinking about how much Philly's going to have to lean on Danny green in this series. <laughs> to guard a guy like um, OG Ananobi or Gary Trent when Thibault is not playing at home. Um, that makes me feel a little bit better, you know, because he's an older player and I've seen him at his worst too. And like you said, Doc Rivers, how many 3-1 leads has he blown? You know, I feel like we have Joel Embiid's number and James Harden is the king of playoff blunders. Yeah, it's, it's looking too promising, especially for exactly. a 50- it's a, it's it's a little too good to be true right now, so so see I I I know you I know the feeling especially you're 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 telling me all these facts and I'm like all right looks like the Raptors are gonna take this but yeah I don't know man I don't know it's just the 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 playoffs are definitely a different monster and we've seen even with a good Kyle Lowry led Raptors team how tough it is to get out of you know the first and second round so this is a coin flip. You know, I just hope it's a good series. 
and hopefully the Raptors do prevail and come out and, you know, we'll, we'll see Kyle and the Miami Heat in the, in the second round. But again, it could be a Joel Embiid show and he could just fucking go off for 40 and 15 every game. And it's, it's a, it's not a close contest, but I think there's a lot of outcomes that are possible here, but I think it's going to be a close seven game series. Either team can take it, but let's go wraps. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so that sort of wraps up our matchups for the first round of the playoffs. Again, we didn't touch on the, the eight, one seed, but uh, or the one eight seed, but we'll do that next time we record for sure. A couple of yeah. big picture questions that I wanted to ask you, which series, and I think we kind of just said it with this past one, which series do you think is going to be the biggest slugfest? I like to say this one and the, the Nets and Celtics. Yeah. I would even say the Nets and Celtics a little more just because of the star power in that series and just kind of like the polarizing, um, you know, team dynamic one. So offensively um, strong and the other one, so defensively strong. So it's going to be just, yeah, battle between just, yeah, such a juggernaut offensive team versus a juggernaut defensive team. So I think that's going to be, yeah, bloodbath. I think this one will be as well. But I just don't think this team or these two teams have as much star power as the Celtics and the Nets. So I'm, I'll, I'll go with the, the Nets and Celtics. Yeah, I think you're right. And you got to remember, too, Boston fans are ruthless. And I think there's going to be some fan play in this series, too, especially with Kyrie. I think it's going to get oh, yeah. I think it's going to get spicy. You know, it's yeah, going to yeah. it's going to be it's going to be <laughs> ruthless in that arena. Yeah, um, no, I agree. Yeah. Second question I had is which franchise is in the most danger if they get a first round exit? Ooh, uh, I will say the, uh, the Utah jazz, there will be a lot of new faces in Utah. If they lose to Dallas, especially if Dallas is short on, uh, on, on Luca and his, his contribution there. I think there's a lot of riding. There's a lot riding on Utah with this playoff run. I think if they don't make it to the Western Conference Finals, honestly, even if they make it to the Western Conference Finals, I don't think they're gonna keep you know Snyder there. I know again, there's still tension between their two best players, so I could totally see one or two of those guys be on the move. Uh, but I think it's Utah. Yeah, it's, it's Utah. I have three, and I'm not gonna go into depth with them, but Utah was definitely one of them. Philly. Yeah, Philly. Philly. I mean, Daryl Morey held out on so much just to get James Harden. And I don't think the James Harden experience so far has been that promising for Philly fans. And the fact that he's going to need a contract north of $200 million with Philadelphia is fucking mind blowing given the way he's been playing. And if they get a first round exit to Toronto or even a second round exit, and this was an MVP year for Joel Embiid. I mean, there's going to be a lot of questions that Philly's going to have to figure out and sort of just like go with. Yeah, no, 100%. That, that, that contract will look horrendous if, uh, if it's given to him, especially with the way that he's played the last two seasons. Um, yeah, that 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 is going to be a very interesting situation with that team, especially with Doc Rivers being linked to the Lakers job too, which is hilarious. What what a terrible match that would be, but we'll see. 
Yeah. And then the third one I have is New Orleans. And, you know, that's if, if they don't even make it into the playoffs, I think that team's got a lot of answer or a lot of questions that they have to answer revolving uh, Zion Williams. I think, think their roster's legit. Like, I actually think they're a really good team. And I think David Griffin's done a really good job with them. Like, they are a good basketball team. And if you insert Zion, like, there's no reason why they couldn't be where Denver is right now in the West. Do you think Zion ever plays another game for them? I don't think Zion plays another game for them. That's crazy. What do not you crazy think? To, I don't think so either. I think it's too far. It's like... I don't know. It's just too many red flags, especially with him not wanting to get team affiliated like coaches, him not wanting to practice and uh, rehab with the team. I know there was like the other players going. Yeah, him him not. Yeah, him not texting the column when he joined the team and then them sending out like season ticket uh, emails without him like being on any of like the promotion. So it's a lot of red flags. I don't know. I, I hope they do because that that franchise is cursed, man. That franchise has not had any luck since moving to New Orleans, and uh, yeah, they 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 have such a they have a really you know underrated like core there as well. They 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 can definitely make a move. Um, a lot of teams will throw a lot shitload for Zion, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, they're not a bad team, especially with CJ there now. Um, but yeah, we'll see. That that's a that's a weird weird situation right now in uh, in New Orleans. I think Zion's a weird weird dude, man. And I think I think the people that he surrounds himself with, it's very kawaiish. It's very quiet. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll definitely talk about it another episode. But I just think everything around that guy's strange, strange, strange. Um, I'm not sure what to expect of that guy's career. I thought he was a unicorn, and he still is in terms of like his body. But I just I just don't think he puts enough importance in his uh in his training and development yeah no i agree with you on the quiet thing that's that's an interesting comparison uh because i always thought he'd be he was a good kid but i think it's just yeah the surroundings and the people that are kind of instructing him and kind of guiding him so we'll see we'll see he's uh definitely a talented a gifted player and uh, a huge huge talent and just i i hope he stays healthy but i'm not sure he's gonna ever play with with the pelicans ever again yeah, no doubt. Well, we got a lot of interesting basketball ahead of us. The eight seed is going to be determined in the next couple of days, and then we're right into uh, the first round of the playoffs. So looking forward to uh, recording more podcasts and um, just sort of, you know, what do you call it? Keeping an eye on how things roll out. Oh, for sure. Yeah, let's get back into it now. It's going to be a lot of basketball, a lot to digest, but just just a lot of content. So. Yeah, let's let's keep it more consistent now, and uh, yeah, we'll get back into it. All right, man. Well, it was fun doing this with you. Have a good night. We'll chat soon. Of course. Yes, for sure. All right. See you, brother. Okay.